Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 138 of Let's Go Racing with David Stein. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. So we are looking back on William Byron's win at the Daytona 500, the Great American Race. Had a Great American finish. Uh, what a race it delivered. We'll recap it all, get reaction from David and Dominic coming up in just a bit. Also, we'll look ahead to this weekend's race at Atlanta as we'll be drafting again and it should be an exciting weekend ahead we'll go over our news and notes with the latest headlines around the sport our ask david segment as well coming up at the end of the show so don't miss out on that these two gentlemen they had a hell of a time in daytona i was not there myself but i lived vicariously through these two with david star and dominic on both uh this weekend and we'll start with david david uh, Daytona, you were out there and we, we saw you, you, you qualify for the Xfinity race, got a little on track action and everything. Tell me about your weekend. How were, uh, things down in Daytona beach, Florida for you, man? Man, it was awesome. It was always great when you pull through that tunnel and see that great American seaway. It was amazing. And, uh, racing did not disappoint. Maybe the weather disappointed, uh, a lot of the competitors, teams, fans and everybody, but man, uh, Tell you what, after a uh, little bit of a challenging morning, morning with the rain on Monday morning, uh, about 12 o'clock, the sun came out, and the rest of the day, the rest of the day was beautiful. But what a what a great uh, Daytona weekend to kick off the season it was amazing. Yeah, uh, Dominic Aragon joining us now as well. Dom, uh, fun weekend for you as you guys officially launched the book. And uh, you were hanging around with Jeff Bodine and the family and everything at Daytona Beach. Tell me about uh, your experience and and uh, and plugging the book and everything. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't the weekend we anticipated. I don't think any of us were hoping four weeks and months ago. And you think Daytona, you, you don't want to think rain, but sometimes there's just things out of your control. But no, it's still awesome to take the family out there. Felice, Christopher, my mom and dad, her mom, my brother, Martin, we all had a good time out there and none of them had ever been to the area. So it was really cool to, to kind of be the unofficial tour guide and go into some of the cool places, some of the historical places in Daytona beach. And of course we got to see the Bodines and, and promote the book, all of it, Jeff Bodine, the Daytona 500 champion, tell the rest of the story now out released last week on all major retailers and their website at, teamboatine.square.site so you can order an autographed copy there special as well so there was a lot of fun to promote that and and we'll be back on the road this weekend to help promote it later and we'll talk about that down the road in the show but still a lot of fun tyler we didn't see any racing on the track from our perspective because we had to come back monday and the logistics to just change everything it wasn't going to happen but aside from that i mean it really didn't and no pun intended when i say this it didn't put a damper on the weekend for us. I think just the family time, being able to to, to have family in Daytona. And we make these trips, Tyler, you know, we usually don't have our family with us. So it was really cool to have that unique blend, family, seeing racing people, and then spending time with the Boat Irons on Sunday and just interacting and doing all that. Definitely a lot of fun, a weekend to remember. So I hear Dominic playing tour guide. And David, uh, you were a bit of a tour guide as well for uh, former presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Tell me about that experience and uh, introducing him to our NASCAR world and Daytona and everything. How was Vivek? Man, Vivek was awesome. Just what a, what is a great guy. Spent a lot of time with him uh, uh, Friday night. Uh, 
I got to uh, spend time with him, watch the truck race, took his uh, his boy who was turning four, got to put him in uh, Carl Long's Arca car. And uh, I tell you what, the fans, our fans loved him. It was amazing everywhere he went. Fans wanted to take pictures with him, talk to him. It was just a great experience. And then to back that up Sunday, I really felt, you know, hearing Dominic talk, I really felt like the first time in my career, like I was a tour guide, you know, but it was amazing for Bake and his family. They had an awesome time and, uh, man, took him to the driver's meeting. He, he just, uh, it was interesting because, uh, uh, you know, he just, there was a lot of people in there and, uh, man, again, everybody was shaking his hand, taking pictures with him. And, uh, you know, then the rock, the rock himself came up to him and, they took some pictures and conversated for a minute, but man, it was just a awesome time for him. He fell in love with NASCAR racing. I introduced him to so many people, and uh, we walked out on the track to try oval. Then I got him up in the flag stand, and uh, it, it was just amazing. And then I uh, got to bring his family and himself and his security team and everybody uh, up in the Daytona Club and, and the view he had. and the, They laid out the red carpet for him. He just had an amazing time and uh, just just a salt-to-the-earth person, you know. I mean, I know he's very intelligent, very smart. Uh, he'll have a big future uh, in politics for America. And, uh, you know, and I think we'll hear some big news about him, you know, uh, in the future. Some some real soon, some later on. But, uh, but, man, what a great man. He just had such a great time. Couldn't stop thanking me and others, and uh, he, I, I believe him and his family fell in love with stock car racing, NASCAR racing, so it was pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good time, got, got to enjoy yourselves and play tour guide and all that while uh, I watched from work on Monday afternoon, but uh, I'm certainly happy for you guys that you guys enjoyed yourselves out there in Daytona. Can't wait to be back out there uh, next year uh, for the Great American Race. Uh, speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's begin there. William Byron gets it done and and david we talked about this going in ahead of time 40th anniversary of hendrick motorsports's debut william byron in the 24 car he was looking for his first daytona 500 win they brought back the flames in the yellow 24 exalta of course used to be dupont and all that just and the ones who finished too it felt like the stars just aligned uh the the script was 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 beautiful for uh, for Hendrick Motorsports uh, to to pull this off and and to have their day on on that 40th anniversary. You 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 couldn't have scripted any better for for Hendrick there, David. No doubt about it. And it was a it was a great race, you know. And uh, you know there was a lot of great strong cars. It's just uh, man, you know, all these powerhouse teams and uh, you know Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Benny Hamlin. I mean, it was just. You know, uh, I thought really the strongest car in the race uh, was Joey Logano, you know, and Chase Elliott. There was just a lot of strong cars that had the opportunity to win the race. And obviously, when you're racing at Talladega and Daytona, uh, you need some luck on your side because there's always going to be the big one, big one. You're hoping there's not, but it's just something that, you know, you just know what's going to happen, you know. And, then, and it did happen, and it took out a lot of great cars. And, you know, just like we talk a lot, you know, the racing guides were on Hendrick Motorsports and others. And, uh, 
you know, I believe uh, William Byron, I think he escaped uh, with not much damage out of a wreck. I think he maybe got a little bit of damage, but not much. Uh, and then his teammate, um, uh, help me out, guys. Alex teammate, finished second. Uh, Alex Bowman, uh, you know, those guys, you know, I, I don't know. I don't remember. They might have got a bump or two, but, you know, didn't hurt them at all. And, uh, you know, watching Ross uh, uh, Ross uh, Chastain, he had a really good shot, a great car, but I was watching him, and I'm thinking, man, he's kind of a shooting duck because of the two Hendrick cars. But, man, it just it was a great race. And, uh, you know, come down to the end, come off turn four, and we saw the spin right there through the trioval. But, man, it was exciting all the way to the checker flag. But not surprised to see the Hendrick cars in victory lane we're not surprised by that we know that you know what i was surprised was the front row was all forward front row and then you had i believe chevrolets in the second row but i was really uh you know william byron has won the pole um so many times i mean i think dominic mentioned that on our last podcast what the statistics were but i was surprised that chevrolet uh did not get the pole but hey you know it doesn't matter where you start. It's all about winning. And he finally got the job done after starting on the pole so many times. And I wasn't surprised. The race was incredible. Did not disappoint any of the fans that were there and watching on television. But uh, but it could have been anybody's race, and it ended up being uh, William Byron's. Well, and David, take a look at the field and that big crash that eliminated virtually half the drivers with just a handful of laps to go, I think seven to go. When you look at that, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, all these big names are, yeah, I mean, past champions as well, too. And really add to that, who do you think had the biggest heartbreak of that entire race? And I, you know, I, I would just, me personally, I think it was Joey Logano because I, I believe this, you know, just watching the race and watching how strong he was, you know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, just because you have a strong car, and, uh, you know, you can pretty much do what you want with it at, at tracks like Talladega and Daytona. I, I felt like it, he was the car to beat. But that being said, you still got to run. You got to run the race. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I felt like he was the guy. If it was uh, everything worked out for him, that, you know, that he would be our winner, you know. And I guess it, I would pick Joey Logano because uh, he had such a great car. But, you know, you guys know as well as I do, you know, you, you got to have the racing guys on your side. And it's a little bit of a chess match right there at the end, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so it was just, uh, man, it was a great race. It didn't disappoint. And uh, it was uh, it was just unbelievable, you know. And it was just, it's unbelievable about the 200 cars and the guys that didn't get caught up in that big one at the end, you know. They put on a heck of a show for the fans. And, uh you know, and, and like uh, Tyler was saying, I, I believe it's the 40th anniversary. Uh, I didn't catch all that. I knew there was a big deal going on, but, it, I, you know, maybe y'all can remind me what it was, the 40th anniversary of something. Oh, well, uh, when Hendrick Motorsports started, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's incredible, you know. And not only did Hendrick Motorsports win the race, and finished second as well, you know. And, and then I think Chase Elliott was caught up in the wreck, and the big one right there was seven laps to go. But, you know, he was having a strong run. So it was just really a lot of really great cars. Uh, and like like you were, you guys were talking about, a lot of the good cars got eliminated, you know what I mean, which was just sad. But that's just 
that's plate racing, man. That's what makes it exciting. You just never know. But it came down, and, and uh, you know, the Daytona 500 did not disappoint. The finish was incredible. So for William Byron, Dominic, I, I was thinking about this. Last year was his breakout season, right? One more races than anybody. Six uh, last year led the points for much of the year, was kind of the favorite going into the playoff. And this year, trying to, you know, repeat that, show that it wasn't a fluke, he starts off with a bang right away, winning the Daytona 500. And to me, it showed that William Byron really belongs. Like, you got to talk about William Byron right up there with Kyle Larson, with Denny Hamlin, with Joey Logano, with Kyle Busch. Like, if we're buying stock in any driver for the for the long term, I'm putting all my chips towards William Byron right now. This guy is getting hot at the right time. Very, really just the beginning of his career when you think about it. He and Rudy Fugel, very good one-two punch and driver crew chief pairing. They got a lot going for them right now. Like, there is a lot of reason to be optimistic about the future of that 24 team. Uh, this, this, this Daytona 500 win, it was a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but this is definitely not the last you'll be hearing from them. Well, if we're making stock comparisons here. This would be like a big stock split. This one in the Daytona 500, and Hendrick has invested so much that William Byron is going to be paying dividends for years to come. But in all seriousness, too, though, I think this cemented, and correct me if I'm wrong, either of you, but I think when you have William Byron win a race like this and not only back up how great of a year he had last year, but to do this in the 24 car, the kickoff with Hendrick Motorsports, he has cemented himself as not only a Hendrick staple, but he is the driver of the 24 car now. We know Chase Elliott filled in for that car for two years and then moved to the nine car, still with the same organization. But William Byron is now the driver of the 24. And there is that separation now between him and Jeff Gordon. Now, of course, more wins, a championship or two or three or four are going to certainly add to that legacy. But William Byron, Tyler, has absolutely earned his mark. Now, he is the 24 driver, and he has the opportunity here to become a big superstar in the sport, much like Jeff Gordon did in that car. Yeah. Um, David, when you look at William Byron, like he's he's earned his seat at the table. He belongs in the conversation among the, uh, the best and the best. I, I, I think that that was a, a, a statement win there on Monday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. You just go back to last year, you know, you know, it was in the chase. Had a shot to win a championship, didn't did not get that done, but was in the in the hunt, and uh, and then to back it up, you know, with the with the start of the year with the Daytona, and he's now a Daytona 500 champion. That's that just that says it all right there, you know. And uh, so I mean, he's he's uh, you know, y'all talking about buying stock, yeah, you you'd be a fool not to buy his stock because uh, man, he's got a long, big time superstar career in front of him, you know. I, you know, you'll you'll see him win championships, uh, possibly win another Daytona 500, and, and lots and lots of more races. So yeah, he is uh, definitely uh, you know made a, made a name for himself in the sport. And uh, just hearing Dominic speak, he is uh, he is the 24 driver now. You know, and, and, and you know Chase Elliott ran the, the number a couple of years, but you know you, you know you can put a, a driver in a car with a number that had a at a you know all-star driver in it it takes a while for for somebody to really kind of take over that number or identify with that number i guess william byron has definitely done that 
you know, so with the 24 number. But we're not surprised by, you know, him winning in the dominance, you know, of, of Hendricks finishing first and second. Kyle Larson and, and like we said, uh, Chase Elliott, they had strong cars as well, uh, you know, and I think we'll we'll continue to see uh, the dominance of Hendrick Motorsports. You know, they, they have William Byron and I think Alex Bowman in the championship last year. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be, see, be surprised to see all four of them make the chase, really. They're just a, a great organization, a powerhouse. And, uh, but I think, uh, you know, we're, we're watching greatness happen right in front of our eyes with William Byron, for sure. Um, one more thing on uh, Daytona, then we'll move on and look ahead to Atlanta here. Dominic, I'll start with you on this, the finish of this race. There was some controversy involved of when NASCAR decided to wave the yellow flag which ultimately ended the race because it came after the white flag and William Byron was leading. It took them a while to give us the visuals and everything, but ultimately that part was accurate. William Byron was leading when the caution was called. That's true. My issue, Dom, was when the caution was called, they could have called it before the yellow, before the, uh, the white flag. And we could have gone to overtime and done all that again, but they were kind of waiting on on the trigger to call a caution here. I think Dale Jr. talked about in his podcast this week, he didn't like the idea that one man essentially has the power to determine who wins the race when the race is over. I, I, I didn't like how, how that played out and that they didn't get the caution out sooner. E- even the other idea of this, too, like, why are we saying after the white flag, the next flag ends the race? Why can't we go to overtime after the white flag? Like, I, I, I don't see why we have the rule set that way. Very good questions. Very good questions. And, and I think, too, highlighting the fact that, and I didn't know that, that it was just one man hearing that from Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast. But I think that shows the human element and the human error element that can still be a part of it. We, we know refs aren't going to get 100% of the calls in a football game or in any other kind of professional sports. I think that that shows same thing here in NASCAR. But, you know, I, I got to touch on this, too, and you bring up a good point on NASCAR releasing the image. When we had Dustin Long on our show last year, NBC Sports beat writer, he, had, he was the one that really took it a step further in telling us, too, that NASCAR has been a lot more transparent even compared to 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And I do remember seeing that on social media on Monday night about, look, here's, here's the still image of when the caution was thrown. William Byron was ahead. And I want to say too, Tyler, that he was six one thousandths ahead of Alex Bowman. So technically that was the margin of victory if it wasn't under caution or at the time of caution, I should say. But the fact that there is human element involved, maybe there's the call of having more people involved. And, and I get the call. I'm trying to, to see if they were going to spin out to the infield. But seeing that first wreck in what, lap seven, lap eight, where you had Cindric or Harrison Burton bounce back off into traffic, you would think they would have been a little quicker to throw the caution. But again, I think it shows the human element in the sport. David, uh, you've been in these circumstances, obviously, racing in these overtimes and, you know, these, these big plate races and everything here. What do you think about NASCAR's rule that the next flag after the white ends the race? Would you like to see that adapted where we still go to overtime or, or is that the right rule on NASCAR's part to stay the next flag ends the race, uh, you know, after the white comes out? You know, you know, sometimes you can be on the good side of it. Sometimes you're on the bad side of it, but you know, we know that that rule's been in place for a while now. 
you know, when you come off turn four and, uh, and they're waving that white flag and if the leader crosses the white line and takes the white flag, if the caution comes out after that, after that, you know, that ends the race. That's, that's how it's been, uh, you know, in, in years past, uh, and I remember years ago in a truck race, how they had five or six green, white checkers, you know, and, and I think they ended that years ago. Uh, because, you know, we know at Talladega and Daytona and most tracks, if you, you know, if you, if, if you cross start finish line and you got the white flag, you know, somebody wrecks, well, the caution comes back out. And I think over the years and just watching how much equipment gets crashed and how much money is spent by the owners because there's so many wrecks. I think, you know, cautions bleed cautions, you know what I mean? So it was interesting to see that wreck happen right in the trioval, right when the white flag was coming out, you know? So I was interested to see because I've been a part of that, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, man, did, did the leader take the white flag? You know what I mean? Did he take the white flag? And, you know, and, and, and we know that's the rule now. You know, they got cameras. There's all kinds of camera NASCAR, because of technology and all the cameras that are around the tracks. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, just looking at all the cameras and seeing when the wreck happened and when the caution came out, you know, I believe in what I know and what I saw that William Byron had crossed the start-finish line when the caution did come out. Now, you know, when the when the cars are spinning and wrecking, I don't think, uh, you know, the, I don't believe the caution had came out yet. You know what I mean? Because you got that human uh, element into it. Just like uh, Dominic was saying, you know, so you got a flagman, you know, the flagman's he's going to put the caution out because he sees the wreck happen, you know, and, and again, I don't really know if the flagman has a total control or if he get, if he's getting radio from the spotters upstairs from the NASCAR spotters, hey, throw the caution, throw the caution, you know. And uh, the wreck happened just right before the start finish line, and I think before uh, you know before everybody reacted, because it takes you know I don't know three or four or five seconds to for all that to happen. The leader was already past the start finish line when the caution was finally came out you know and, and that's a rule that's been consistent for a long time you know now you know i asked the question you know if a wreck starts to happen you know as a wreck is happening uh you know is you know you know it's like how do you take the human element out of it you know if somebody starts direct does a caution come right out right then boom it's just instant you know and then, you know, then you ask the question, well, if a wreck starts to happen uh, and a car is spinning but doesn't hit anything, and maybe that caution should have came out. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm not standing in the shoes of the of the NASCAR executive and the official because sometimes that's, that's uh, you know, it's a, there's a human element involved in it, and it's, it's not a, you know, it's not easy, you know what I mean? So... Do you uh, do you go back and watch all the replays and make a decision, or, or you know, it's just tough, man. I don't have all the answers, but I think the way it played out and the way it was, I can say that it's been consistent that way for a long time. Yeah, it's it's a fair, great point uh, from both of you. Some yeah. fantastic insights on that front. 
Let's look ahead to uh, Atlanta. We'll give up our picks later on in our news and notes segment, but just kind of looking ahead, uh, David, you, you've raced on this new configuration of Atlanta since it changed, uh, became a drafting track uh, over the last couple of years. And we've seen some very exciting racing, but it's far different from the Atlanta that we saw prior to the rig or the, the repave. Um, and William Byron also has won there before uh, under this format, by the way. Um, David, uh, Atlanta, if, if you're a fan of what we saw in Daytona, I could argue that Atlanta might even offer a better version of it, a, a cleaner version of that exciting pack racing that we're, we're, we're going to see Sunday. Well, I don't know if I call it cleaner, but it's going to be just as exciting, very intense. Uh, man, the cup race at the Atlanta Motor Speedway these days are, are just over-the-top exciting, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, whether it's going to be clean or not remains to be seen, but golly, it's amazing to see, you know, any race at the Atlanta Motor Speedway these days because, man, it's pretty intense. Uh, there's a lot of lead changes. There's a lot going on because, you know, all 30 cars are on top of each other. You know, it is drafting. It's uh, It's incredible, you know. And uh, it'll be exciting, man. It's going to be another exciting race. And, uh, you know, we could see another big, big crash that takes out some great cars, you know, because of the type of racing it is. But, man, it's, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it and just disappointed that I won't be racing Atlanta this week. I got me personally got a lot of stuff going on back here with my driving school at Texas Motor Speedway. And and I wasn't able to commit to my team to make the race. And, and it eats at me because, man, it's such a fun race as a competitor to run that race. And just like Daytona, man, you can have a great car, a great, fast, good handling car with lots of speed, but you got to run the race. And, man, you, you, need, you need some racing gods on your side. You know what I'm saying? So I can assure you that all the fans watching it in the stands that will be there and the ones watching on TV – they will not be disappointed. It's going to be an awesome race. Dominic, one thing I look at this week, if you're a driver that raced really well last week but got caught up in an accident uh, and it just wasn't your day, had some bad luck, whatever, this is a great opportunity to kind of hit the reset button and put Daytona behind you here. This is a as good of a chance as it gets because, I mean, you could take the same setup. You had Daytona and everything here and transfer that over to Daytona and forget like Daytona ever happened. Or on the flip side of that, to play devil's advocate, you could really dig yourself into a deep hole. If you're a Carson Hosevar or Brad Keselowski, that could be the potential as you head west and you have two bad races under your belt. Or how about flip side of that, Tyler? Corey LaJoy finishing fourth in Daytona. We've seen that seven, that Spire team run so well at Atlanta Motor Speedway with the repave, and he's come close twice to winning the Atlanta race. Who's not to say Corey LaJoy has two top five finishes in the first two races of the year? I don't think anybody would have had that on their bingo card even a year or two ago. Who uh, needs to have a big race this week in, in particular? For, for me, what comes to mind, David, I, I, I think Joey Logano. Joey Logano had the best car at Daytona. He was the driver to beat and got caught up in that 23-car wreck with eight laps to go. We've seen him run well at Atlanta in the past. I, I think if if you're Joey Logano, really any of those Penske cars, because they were all fast at Daytona, I think you come in there with the same game plan you had for Daytona, and you run it back at Atlanta, and there's a good chance one of those Penske cars gets in victory lane this time. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I don't I don't know if it's a dire straight race form where they need to, you know, need to go out there and win, but we know that throughout the year that you're going to see Joey Logano in victory lane. We're going to see, uh, you know, this uh, Ryan Blaney in victory lane, you know, but, uh, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, when it, when the rear year, year gets kicked off, uh, you know, you want to get that, you want to get that win, uh, under your belts that could automatically put you in the chase. Uh, so, uh, you know, once you get that win underneath your belt, you know, you can somewhat take a breath and, and just go enjoy it a little bit better. You know, all that pressure is not on you. And, uh, you know, so the guys uh, that you mentioned, Joy Logano, Ryan Blaney, you know, a lot a lot of others, Brad Kozlowski, I think, you know, with with the, what's been happening there at uh, uh, Roush Fenway, Kozlowski, I might be calling that team the wrong name, but uh, you know, oh, yeah. I think they have a lot. They have a lot of momentum from last year. You know, definitely from what we saw Chris Boucher do, and then at the end of the year, you know, Brad was coming on. So, you know, I think all these guys are wanting to try to win a race so they can, you know, etch their stone, you know, etch their name in that chase. You know, it's a big deal. So, you know, week in and week out, you know, you're going to see uh, if these guys have some bad luck on these super speedways. You know, I. I, I believe, you know, I believe that you'll see a Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, all those guys are going to be the same people that we're used to seeing win, win more. You know what I mean? So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. For me, uh, you know, I don't really know uh, who uh, that person is that you're asking about. You know, for me, uh, you know, you look at Ricky Stenhouse Jr., you know, won the Daytona 500 uh, last year. And uh, was having a strong run, got caught up in that big one. You know, I know he's a great plate racer, and you know, and he loves going. And we got two races at Daytona, two at Talladega, and now we got two at Atlanta. You know, I think for him, that, that's really some of the better chances he's had to put pull in the victory lane. You know what I mean? So there's some guys like that that need to win those races, and that's one I can think about, Ricky Stenhouse. How about you, Dom? Uh, give me a guy that you think in particular needs to step up and have have a good race Sunday. Man, I got, I got to think it's those guys that are below 30th in points. I mean, he, those come to mind like Harrison Burton, Todd Gillen. We've seen these guys do really, really well. It's year three for these guys, that 2022 rookie class. Todd Gillen looked great in the Daytona 500. We really didn't get the chance to see Harrison Burton shine, but Wood Brothers are hyping him up. Harrison Burton, year three. I, I think you need to go out and make a statement. If you're in that 21 car, and, and we saw him spin out last year in this July race too, you got to go out. Score stage points. Ford dominated qualifying in this race last year. I think seven or eight out of the top 10 positions. You need to be one of those vehicles on Saturday in qualifying. You need to be one of those cars on Sunday going to the front, showing I belong here. Because we really have not seen that from Harrison Burton. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, we'll move on, get to our uh, news and notes, latest headlines around the sport uh, coming up in just a bit. Also, our Ask David segment coming up at the end of the show as well. Uh, but, Dom, take it away and uh, get us cut of speed on the uh, latest headlines here. We'll start with the entry list for the Atlanta race. We're going to get the odds here in a little bit, but we're looking just purely at the entry list. 37 cars entered in the Cup Series race, 39 in the Xfinity race. But really want to take a little closer look at the Cup Series entry list. You have Kaz Grawa making his first start with Rick Ware racing in that 15 car. It's his first of about 25 races for the team. 
He's interesting, Tyler, because he had said at the beginning of the year in a media availability, if he did good in Daytona, did good in Atlanta, I don't know if he's on the schedule for, for Vegas next week, he would be considering trying to find a ride to, to run the rest of the races if he got a good start. Well, didn't happen in Daytona. Maybe a good run this weekend. We've seen those Rick Ware racing cars do well. That car finished top 10 in July with J.J. Alien. Josh Williams making his Cup Series debut with Colleague Racing. He has made three races before, but arguably, Tyler, in that Colleague 16 All-Star car, his best ride to date in the Cup Series. And B.J. McLeod, the only open vehicle on the entry list. That number 78 had a heck of a ride in its dual race. B.J. almost putting that in the Daytona 500. However, it looks like with 37 cars on the entry list, all are going to make the field. And that's a closer look at our entry list for the Cup Series. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, those uh, those names there. Uh, Kaz Grawl, a very talented driver. Glad to see him get an opportunity. And uh, that Rick Ware team certainly has improved a lot uh, within the last year or so. Uh, and then Josh Williams, we've had on this show before. Talented race car driver. He's been, you know... Waiting for his chance, working working his ass off to get his opportunity. Great to see him rewarded. It'd be easy to root on both these guys on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about it. You always want to see the guys that you know have been working and and have have created the opportunities to step up. And uh, you know, to me, I like to see these guys do well because uh, you know it's they're new, they're rookies, and. Uh, they got all the talent in the world, and uh, man, they got some—they're driving some great race cars. So I'm excited for Josh Williams and Kaz Gala. So hopefully, uh, these guys can have some great runs and 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 really shine at that level. It would be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. So Dominic, what else we got? Well, with Atlanta, we're going to look at the closer look on your odds for the Embedder Health 400 Atlanta Motor Speedway. This is the fifth installment on this style of Atlanta Motor Speedway. What is Atlanta really trying to be, by the way? Is it a super speedway, an intermediate? Is it having some sort of identity crisis? I think like Joey Logano said, perhaps a debate for another time. But your odds entering this weekend, odds on favorite across different sports books, including DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesar Sportsbook, and FanDuel, again, purely for entertainment purposes only. Denny Hamlin sitting at 1,000 or plus 1,000, so that would be a 10 to 1 style of odds, same as Joey Logano. And, and Tyler, you tend to see these, Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta Motor Speedway as of late, where odds makers typically won't put your early pre-week, mid-week favorites at below 10 to 1 or 8 to 1 because of the style of racing that we are seeing. So you do have a few drivers that fit that bill. Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, about 11, 12 to 1. William Byron, who's won two out of the four races on this style of Atlanta, is sitting at 12 to 1. Kyle Busch, 14 to 1. Ross Chastain at 20 to 1. And Corey LaJoy, who I was speaking about earlier, sitting at 40 to 1 at this time. What, what stands out to me is, is Denny being the favorite again, just like he was last week. I think he was the favorite for the Clash Tool uh, as well. Um, and all the talk this offseason was about Denny. Uh, everything is setting up, David, for, for Denny you know, to, to be the guy to beat. I know we talked about William Byron earlier, obviously he's the Daytona 500 champion, but th this seems, it almost feels like David, I, I even hate saying this, but it feels like the, the make or break year for Denny to finally come through and win that championship. We're, we're talking about him every week right now, which Denny, that's probably what Denny wants is everybody talking about him every week with uh, the, the spotlight he's putting on himself. Yeah. You know, Denny had a strong car to, uh, 
You know, he had a shot. I, he really, I think he was the favorite to win the Daytona 500 because he's so good on those super speedways. But, you know, you always have to keep Denny Hamlin in the conversation because he's so fast. He's so good. He's won lots and lots of races. I mean, you know, you look at William Byron and all the others that, that are that are favorite to, to make the chase and, you know, and to win the chase. But, man, you, you know, you can't ever talk about making the playoffs and winning the championship without mentioning Denny Hamlin, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, you guys know, I, I, I would love to see him win a championship. He's so good. He's won so many races. I would hate to see Denny not have that championship. You know what I mean? I mean, we look at the late, you know, the late, uh, not late, but we look at the great Mark Martin, uh, man, what a great race car driver he was. And how good of a race car driver he won in everything. Uh, and uh, and and to never have won the Daytona 500 or has a championship is really uh, you know it's not me not you guys but I just feel bad for Mark because he was so good you know and I can't imagine Denny you know I'm sure he's got many many years left but and it was never winning a championship and how good he was you know what I mean so I just I'd like to see him get the job done you know he's got the organization behind him uh, he's got the team. He's got all the funding that you ever could have ever asked for with FedEx. I think, you know, I don't know. I asked the question to you guys. I thought that might be the wrong, longest pairing driver and sponsor in current NASCAR history, yes. you know, uh, you know, and, and that Joe Gibbs organization and having all the Toyota, uh, man, I just, man, all the stars, I mean, everything's aligned for him to win the championship and man, it has been, this is not the first time, you know, I mean, it has been that way in a while, and, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. But me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other fans are, are hoping it finally does happen. And I, and I think, you know, it's his to lose because, like you, like you guys are saying, like you're saying, Tyler, he's in every conversation every weekend and week out. He's fast every week, you know. So uh, maybe this is a year for Denny Hamlin to finally get him the championship. But, man, it uh that's why the cup series is so exciting because man there's so many great drivers so many great teams and it'll be exciting all the way to the end yeah well and one thing i'd say about denny too what's different is like he's coming close it's not like dale jr who didn't win a title in his career but dale jr i didn't think finished higher than what fourth in the standings in his career i mean like denny is right on the verge it's it's gotta happen sooner than later you'd think as far as this weekend's race goes, I know Denny's the favorite, but guys, as we get into our picks, I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off. I like Joey Logano this week. I thought he had the best car this past week. Probably should have won the Daytona 500. I think they run it back. And uh, those Fords, those Pinsky teams show a lot of speed. I like Joey Logano get it done. Dominic, how about you? Man, I got to think that it's going to come out of the Ford camp. He did win this race in the springtime, but I got to go with his former teammate to break that almost three-year winless streak. He got passed in the last lap. Redemption, if there's no wreck. Brad Keselowski to victory lane on Sunday. Ooh, okay. Bad Brad. Uh, David, <laughs> give us uh, your pick. Who wins at Atlanta Sunday? Man, I, you know, uh, <laughs> Again, you know, every week it gets harder and harder because, man, there's so many guys that have so much speed and they're good there, you know. And, and you know, again, <clears throat> you know, you know the ones that are always they're going to be up front. But, you know, I, I'm just going to go with, uh, you know, they're all going to be good. But uh, I'd like to see – I'll pick Denny Hamlin just because, you know, he's going to be fast. He'll be up there. And, again, 
you know, uh, you know, if, if he can avoid the big one and uh, and no mistakes by him or his team, uh, you know, I think he'll be the one to beat. So I'll, I'll go with Denny Hamlin. All right. There you go. Uh, Dominic, we have anything else on news and notes? Well, one last thing before we get to everyone's favorite segment, Ask David. NASCAR is going to be taking a little closer look. What does that mean? I guess we'll have to find out when it comes to fuel-saving strategies from the Daytona 500. The vice president of competition for NASCAR, former NASCAR Xfinity Series winner Elton Sawyer, went on SiriusXM Tuesday, and NBC Sports was reporting that ultimately the, the NASCAR organization wants drivers to be pushing 100% as much as they can. And Daytona, David, I'm sure, would have the more accurate numbers on this, but it seems like the cut car range window would be about 42 to 46 laps. And it seemed like in one of the stages, Tyler, we had cars pushing 50 plus laps. And NASCAR was also saying per Elton Sawyer that some of these cars were doing about half throttle. So NASCAR is going to take a deeper dive. Again, how that looks remains to be seen. But got to imagine NASCAR can't be too happy about that. David, uh, nobody wants to be seeing a fuel mileage race on these uh, drafting tracks. So I, I so I. Y'all got to say that again. I kind of didn't understand what y'all were talking about. Okay. Go ahead. Explain yeah, that a little bit. So, and I'm pulling this directly from NBC Sports. Quote, NASCAR is taking a, quote, much deeper dive into the fuel-saving strategy cup teams employed during Monday's Daytona 500. Elton Sawyer, Senior Vice President of Competition for NASCAR, made the comments Tuesday morning to SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Ultimately, we want to drop the green flag on the race. And they're racing as hard as they can until they drop the checkered flag. There's some strategy in between there. And we're definitely taking a much deeper dive into this particular situation. Because David, too, at one point during one of the stages, as it was coming to, I think, stage two's finish, some of these cars were getting 50-plus laps on a range or within the range on their pit fuel. And I, and I believe it's about 42 to 46 laps for the range in the cup car. So, essentially, they, they don't want these drivers, David, saving fuel and worrying about fuel mileage at Daytona. NASCAR is concerned about Daytona and, and these plate tracks becoming fuel mileage races. Right. So they, they don't, they, okay. So they, they, uh, they want to make it where it's not a fuel mile race. Correct. Okay. And add to That's that, too, David, I think IndyCar had something years ago where they would have drivers pit within a certain window. Could something like that be on the table? It's kind of interesting because you know, you know, even though you don't want it to be a fuel mile model, uh, a fuel mileage race, you know, I mean, you know, you got, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, how do you, you know, how do you control that? How do you make it? You know, it's kind of weird if nascar says well everybody's got to pit and get fuel you know on these laps i don't i don't know i think you know if sometimes races turn into a fuel model race it's just kind of how it all plays out everybody's strategy and i just don't like nascar coming in and controlling that because it almost feels like they they're kind of uh, i don't know the word you use but they're controlling the race, you know what I mean? I mean, yes. it just depends on how everybody's pit stop strategy is, what happens. But sometimes these races become a field mile race. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. But but for NASCAR to step in and kind of take that element out of it, to me, is, uh, you know, I don't really think that's what the sport's all about. You know, I think it needs to play out just the human element, and you're going to pit when you pit, and your strategy, and 
sometimes somebody outsmarts everybody on a fuel mileage deal, well, they just that's just how it works. They win the race, you know. But but for NASCAR to kind of step in and mandate that where it doesn't become a fuel mileage race to me is not is not how I see this happening. You know what I mean? My well, opinion. To add to that uh, of David's point here, Dom, like the micromanaging from NASCAR, this concern, whatever. I mean, I can't remember the last time a plate track came down to fuel mileage where guys were, you know, running out of fuel on the back stretch of Daytona with two laps to go or anything like that. Like this, it, it just doesn't happen. These plate tracks tend to work themselves out one way or another anyway. Well, the only ones that come to mind, at least in the stage era, I mean, 2015 Talladega, the fall race was shaping up to be that with Biffle having a half-lap lead over everyone, and then a caution came out. But then the 2017 Daytona 500, you had leaders dropping like flies because they were out of gas, like he, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, when he was with Chip Ganassi, and Kurt Busch won that race. The same thing at 2018 Talladega, where you had the Stuart Haas cars. I believe Kurt Busch was leading with two laps to go, ran out of gas. Was but running. it's still very rare, though. Yeah, I mean, one one race per four in 17 and 18. Yeah, I mean, you look at that. We've had two races in the last 24 restricted play races. It, it's not a common sight. And, and the Daytona 517 was certainly a fluke because I can't even recall the last time something like that even happened pre-state. Yeah. But, you know, to add to that, you know, it's like if a caution comes out with so many laps left and – Somebody decides that we think we can make it. We're going to be two laps short, so we'll save fuel. We can do it. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's it's the it's the strategy of when you're going to pit, if you're going to pit, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, and and the risk of it, you know, if you don't pit, say, hey, I'm I'm not going to pit. Maybe I'm running 12th. Everybody fits in front of me, and I go to the front. I'm leading. The track position's huge. And, uh, you know, and then next thing you know, you know, there's another caution. Well, the risk you took, will there be another caution? I, I don't, you know what I mean? It's all, it's just a human element of how, you know, the crew chief, the engineer, how, how your race is the strategy of the whole entire race. And to have NASCAR step in to maybe change that, I just don't. I don't know if that's really what the sport needs to do, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's, you know, the 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 uh, the the choices you make and how you strategize your race and when you're going to pit. That's just part of the race, you know. Not, and everybody's different. And for NASCAR to come in there and just kind of fix that, uh, I'm not real sure if that's what the sport needs. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's that's a great point. All right. Let's uh, move on or ask David segment. Ask you to submit questions to us on uh, email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash starpodcast, and on X at starpodcast. You can find us there. Our uh, first question in the inbox this week comes from Chase. And uh, Chase wants to know, David, have you ever pulled off any good pranks over the years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have. <laughs> of course but, you have. Uh, yeah, I think all of us have, you know what I mean? But <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's been a while. <laughs> what, what do you remember? What comes to mind, David? Man, that's a great question, you know. That that is a a great question. I remember one time I was parked beside uh, Hornaday 
uh, at the track, and, uh, you know, I snuck over there and took a steering wheel <laughs> and put it in my truck, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was a long time ago, and, uh, you know, I was just watching to see what the team and their reaction was, you know what I mean? And, uh, and it was kind of bizarre because I had to unplug, you know, uh, I had to unplug some things to get a steering wheel off there and I and I pulled it off I couldn't believe I was going to pull it off because you know people you know the teams are watching their race vehicles and uh, oh man it was it was kind of cute it was it was funny to, the panic of everything you know and then and uh and then <laughs> I told one of my guys to go home and tell Hornaday to come here you know he didn't want to come see me he's trying to find a steering wheel and uh, he looked over there at me and and I was holding the steering wheel <laughs> a couple of those guys, Hornaday got a big kick out of it, but I don't think his team appreciated that. <laughs> and uh, there's been there's been others, you know what I mean? But uh, but that's kind of funny, you know. And and look, man, when you do this crank, you know, when you pull that off on somebody, you got to be expecting worse coming to you, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah. so anyway, that's one I pulled off on Hornaday years ago. <laughs> that's good. That's a great answer. Dominic, uh, yeah. you're sly one. What, what what have you pulled off? Oh, man, I'm a little troll sometimes. And, you know, maybe I'm a little mean. But this one came to mind. This is a recent one. So my mom, my dad, we're, we're all going to, to Vegas. We're, we're going with Felice and, and Christopher. He's a newborn at the time. And we're, we're traveling out there. We're going to go see Sting in concert. This is like almost a year ago. So around Easter time. And Joe Laracuente, a friend of the show, Doorstop Nation. He's he's filled in a couple of times. He was meeting us out there, and and so fitting because it was the weekend of April Fools. It was like April first or something. We're all going to dinner that night, and and I, I tell my mom, hey, just you know, just a, a heads up. Just when when you talk to Joe, he's a little hard of hearing, so you're gonna have to really talk loud when when you speak to him. And she's like, oh, okay, no problem. And she starts asking me, well, well what happened? Like, you know, was he born that way? What's going on with it? So I'm, I can be more aware. And I said, oh, he's just been to too many NASCAR races. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. So we're on the way to Vegas, and I'm texting Joe this. I said, hey, just, you know, I know you've never met my family. Looking forward to it. Just a heads up. My mom's a little hard of hearing, so you're going to need to talk a little loud when you, when you talk <laughs> to them. So he's like, oh, okay, no problem. And, and and he goes, well, I tell him, I said, yeah, I have to, you know, I, I speak up a little bit when I, when I talk to her, so you might need to do that. And then he writes me back. He goes, well, you're loud. That explains a lot. So I'm okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. So, okay, we end up all going to dinner. My brother's in on the prank. I'm trying to contain my laughter. And, and I think the ultimate irony on it is, okay, we go to this restaurant and, and it's loud in Vegas. They're, they're kind of talking loud back and forth. And, and it's shaping up great, but we're, we're, they're shouting at each other from across the table, but there's music playing. So I really don't know if that had something to do with it. And the music kind of stopped. And as we leave the restaurant, they're all talking normal to each other. So it was a great setup. It was a great idea. And then ended up telling them about it. And they all turned on me. You're like, really? You're a jerk. You're, they called me a lot worse terms I can't say on the show. But yeah, it was one of those pranks that I still had a good chuckle on throughout the day. And I know the setup on that was better than what actually was executed. Still a good time, though. You, Tyler, I'm sure you've had a few pranks yourself in your day. So you guys have a chuckle out of this. This was not an intentional prank, but those are the best pranks when it's unintentional. Uh, um, this past week, actually, 
in our office, we ordered Chick-fil-A for lunch for the whole office. Okay. I love me some Chick-fil-A. David probably loves Chick-fil-A too. Um, <laughs> we, uh, so we ordered Chick-fil-A and they messed up my order. They didn't bring me the right food. So I just grabbed the next closest thing to my order. I ate it. It was all gone. And then my boss comes out and he says, Hey, uh, anybody seen my sandwich with extra pickles? And I'm like, Oh shoot. That was, uh, that was me. Uh, oopsie. Uh, so, uh, I, I got a little earful for, uh, for eating the boss's lunch, but uh, oh, that was a boss <laughs> move on my part to eat the boss's lunch. <laughs> that's going at the next level without even trying to be a troll tower. That's awesome. That's funny, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was me last week. I still have a job, so it's all good. So that's have, a good eating, thing. We have eating the boss's food, taking a steering wheel, and telling two people that they're hard of hearing just to get reactions out of people. Man, we, we did all right, guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, next question. Uh, in the uh the inbox uh lisa wants to know david if you could pick out just any car to drive what would it be on, on the street oh man you know that's a great question uh you know i got a i got a beautiful corvette um i like my pickup trucks uh uh my wife drives a pretty nice car but I don't know. It'd be kind of cool because uh, uh, I see them all the time, McLarens and or a uh, uh, golly, what are they? The McLaren and a uh, Lamborghini and some of those cool-looking cars that are very rare. When you see one, you're just like, wow. Wonder how that thing drives. What it's like to to drive a car like that. You know, it'd be kind of cool to have a really exotic sports car like a. McLaren or Lamborghini, I just think that'd be kind of awesome, you know, and whether, you know, we, we all would want one and, 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 uh, you know, we just gawk over when you see one, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and who knows if we really would like the way they drive or, you know, the, how you sit on them, but man, it'd be kind of cool to have a Lamborghini or a uh, McLaren, wouldn't it guys? <laughs> Great choice. What about you, Dom? Yeah, absolutely. I, I second that, Dave. I think it'd be a great choice. I, I think modern, Tyler, I think it'd be really cool. I really, really enjoyed the Chevy SSs when they were in the Cup Series. And, and I think they'd make 4,000 or 5,000 street vehicles every calendar year. And I'd see them on the road from time to time here in New Mexico. But they look like an Impala. But then you kind of look at the side, and they've got those side vents. And it's got the Corvette 427 engine in it. Really, really fast car. I think 485 horsepower. I'd like to get behind the wheel of one of those. I I sat in one at a dealership. They wouldn't let me test drive it. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, college kid, and they're like, "Well, how much do you make?" Oh. I disclose that, and they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, we're not letting you drive this." Oh, okay, that makes a little more, a little more sense. Okay, yeah. Um, I, it would be Ferrari for me. Like, I have been fascinated with Ferraris, and I, I I think every time I see one, it just stops and grabs my attention. Like. You know, almost like a, like a naked woman or something. You know, like it. it <laughs> I, I I stop and stare. You know, like when I, when I see a Ferrari, like I'm just fascinated with it. Not just the look of the car, but then to actually get in and drive and see what it can do and try to get the top end speed. You know, like to me that that that's what gets me, David. It's it's twofold. It's not just how 
it looks, but how it drives. Like you want the full experience. Absolutely, man. I, and I completely uh, agree with you. Ferraris, Lamborghinis, uh, McLarens, man, all those cars are just, you know, they just kind of, you just kind of freeze in your, you see one is just like you're just so focused on it. You know what I mean? It's just uh, they're they're rare, and the, when you see them, they de- they definitely grab your attention. Oh yeah, oh yeah, guys. Uh, we're about to wrap up and uh, get out of here. Uh, I know that uh, I'm not going to be in Atlanta. David's not going to be there, but but uh, Dominic, uh, you're back on the road again, right? You're about to go to Atlanta, aren't you? Yeah, I'll be back in Atlanta. Going to be helping the Bodines and, and covering the race too. We'll be promoting our book. All of it, Daytona 500 champion tells the rest of the story. So if you're at the Speedway, we'll be set up in the fan zone Saturday and Sunday. And Jeff's got some appearances throughout the race weekend. So it's going to be a fun time out there. And I know Buddy and, and Paige listen to the show. I'm looking forward to seeing them this weekend, David, friends of the, the podcast. So we'll have a good time visiting and catching up with them and just helping the team at the racing experts cover all the action on the racetrack. But should be a good time. And Tyler, I'm even really more excited because third time's a charm. Go to the Clash rains and they move up the race they don't have 500 it rains and they move back the race there's no rain in the forecast saturday or sunday all right so if it rains we know who to blame um that'll be on dominic i'll say this david uh you mentioned the book stuff and all this i don't think i don't think dominic's mentioned this um so a while back david told dominic and i he saw our signatures and he said y'all need to work on your signatures like it just aren't very good and like you're you're not wrong um and with this new book dominic david i'm happy to report has updated his signature so for people that are getting the signed copies of this book that that dominic has written they are getting the improved signature as recommended by david star <laughs> that's uh i like that but man you know uh I don't know, man. You know, you see some people how they sign their name, and it's like, man, you can't read it. And you know, you guys yeah, know me I'm, I'm a neat freak. I like, you know, I like my house clean, my car is clean, my yard nice, and you know, when somebody's gonna sign their name, you ought to have pride enough in who you are to be able to read, let it be legible. You know what I mean? To be able to read it. You know, so uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, Sometimes I see people signing their name, and it's like, man, you you don't even know what the, it's like. The scribbled, you know what I mean? It's like, what is that? You know? So, uh, I mean, you know, so if Dom's name, you know, if he signs his name to something, I mean, you know, I don't know. You ought to take pride in how you sign your name. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Maybe no, I I'm agree with that, David. Guy, you know you I mean? have imparted so, some really good advice on us over the years, and and, and I really did think about that too, because. And I got to say, too, it's been one of those things where it's just been humbling and like, like odd to me that really you'd want me to sign your book. Jeff's the star of it. And, and even my wife, Felice, has told me, just take the compliment. You're honored that somebody wants to, to have that a part of it. And, and it really got me thinking, too, back to our conversation on that a couple of years ago. So if you are watching the YouTube version, this is the updated signature. I promise you it looks a lot better. That will be the official signature. Much, much better than uh-huh. Tyler. My 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 signature's still the same, but I'm not writing any books, and people are nobody's begging for my autograph, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, David, uh, uh, you're not going to Atlanta, but you still have plenty of stuff on your plate. What's going on with you? Oh man, just uh, golly, I just got a lot, lots of uh, 
you know, just uh, we we announced, uh, you know, Team Texas just got a new sponsor for next couple of years. We changed, you know, the name of our, our racing school a little bit and uh, came out with a new logo. And, uh, man, we're busy. Got got some uh, some new uh, some sponsors for our cars and changing wraps, uh, just fixing cars. We have, we're just, we uh, coming up in uh, uh, March, we probably got, nine corporate events so just trying to get ready for that and uh man i just been gone for eight days getting ready for daytona it kind of put me behind uh so far behind that i i wasn't able to race atlanta motor speedway this weekend and that's nuts i was just telling somebody today i would have never thought that you know that my my, my racing school business would uh, would would hold me back from going to a race you know what i mean but uh but man, I was looking forward to going to Atlanta. But sometimes you got to take care of some other business before you can do that. And uh, and man, after what happened, not not being able to race at Daytona, man, I, I can't wait to get back in the race car and go run a race because that's it's killing me. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, uh, I I'm looking forward to racing again soon. Yeah, can't wait to see you back out on the racetrack. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm holding things down here in uh, Dallas this weekend, but I cannot wait to get to the racetrack for the first time next year, uh, this year, next weekend at uh, Vegas. So that'll be a lot of fun joining Dominic and the boys and all that next week. So certainly look forward to that. We will get out of here. Uh, big thanks to you, the listener, for joining us. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, download us. Check us out for free each and every week. Like the show if you're watching on YouTube as well. We would certainly appreciate it. Follow us on social media at Star Podcasts on X, uh, Facebook.com slash Star Podcasts, and uh, email us, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For David Starr, Dominic Alagon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This is-